Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. I hope that you have had a, uh, a great weekend. I hope that you have looked forward to being here. If you've been looking forward to being here, raise your hand. Okay, if you've not raised your hand, if you would stay after with me after services, we'll... We'll, we'll talk for it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, it, is, it is just good to be together and, and good to, to in, in this time, to at least have this, this moment together. And, and I look forward to it every week, and I hope you do as well. Today is a special day as we get to honor our graduates. They're, they're not seniors anymore um, because they've already graduated, so we honor our, our high school graduates. I, was, I said to somebody yesterday, I said, uh, said, yeah, I said, we're having our Senior Sunday. And he goes, when you say Senior Sunday, are you talking about graduated seniors? Or are you talking about old people like me? He said, because I might get offended by that. I said, no, graduates, graduates. So, so our, our three graduates today, as soon as services are over, we will uh, make our way to the fellowship hall and, and have an opportunity to spend some time with them and congratulate them on their accomplishments. Of course, uh, as we have our meal, we encourage our graduates and their families uh, to go, go ahead and eat first, and then we'll all fall in behind them. And if you don't want to stay and eat, don't feel comfortable, grab you a picnic lunch and take it home with you and enjoy it at home. But please uh, come through and, and, and spend just a little bit of time with us if you would. As we get ready to go uh, jump into our study this morning, let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you so much for the chance that we have to open up your word this morning. And I pray that as we look at a new parable this morning, as we think about uh, some spiritual things this morning, that you will open up our hearts, that you will allow your spirit to move within us and convict us when necessary, and allow that conviction to, to motivate us to change, God. Help us be with us this morning. May we make the rest of this time just about you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we are continuing our, our series of summer favorites. And what we're doing is uh, several weeks ago, I had asked for your favorite parables and, and, and those keep coming in. So we keep kind of adding to the list, which is great. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about the hidden treasure as we find in Matthew chapter 13. Now, one of the reasons I love these particular types of series and Everywhere I've been the last handful of years, this has been kind of a tradition of mine, you could say, is to preach this particular series in the summer because it does something really interesting for me. It pushes me to preach things and preach on things and preach different maybe parts of Scripture that in my own mind I wouldn't have gotten to. Because I kind of have a way that I like to set my sermon schedule up for the year. I've got some certain things every year that I want to make sure to preach on and different things. And what this does is it takes all of my control away and basically gives it to you and says, what do you want in this context? What do you want me to preach on? And so it becomes a lot of fun for me because I study things through the summer that I would not necessarily have studied. I have to prepare lessons that maybe on my own, I would not have necessarily, you know, prepared. And this is one of those lessons. This particular parable 
is one of those parables that is, I mean, it is just, it is short. It's quick. It's easy to just kind of overlook. It's just really a few statements that Jesus makes in passing of some, some maybe bigger stories that he's telling. And it was so encouraging this week to dig into something that I probably would have never, ever gotten to. But as we get into our, 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 our sermon this morning, I want you to look at this statement, okay? I want you to look at this statement, and it says, everyone knows someone who needs the one. Say that back with me. Everyone knows someone who needs the one. Now, here's the second part. You are, the, you are that one who can win your one to the one. Now, say that with me, okay? You are that one who can win your one to the one. Now, how many of you have any idea what I'm preaching on this morning by that statement? We got one, two, couple... That statement, I read this statement, I found this statement earlier in the week, and, I'm, I, and, and I wrote it down because I really liked it, but at the same time, I'm like, if you read that too fast, it's not going to make a bit of sense, right? And so what I decided to do is we're going to take this as our idea that everyone knows someone who needs the one, and you are that one who can win your one to the one. So let's break all of that down and make a little more sense of it. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that you are someone's one. You are someone's one. And what I mean by that is, those of you that, that have made that commitment to be a Christian this morning, you can go back in your walk. You can go back in your journey. And, and, and as a young Christian, or, or before you made that decision, most of us can look back at a couple of people, or maybe even one person in particular for some of us, that you say they took an interest in me and they helped me in this journey to become a child of God. It may have been a preacher. It may have been a Sunday school teacher. It may have been a family member, a grandparent, an aunt and an uncle. It could have been a number of things. But the truth is that you are where you are because you were important to someone. Amen? As you think about those things, how many of you, as I say that, People, people are coming to your mind. You're, you're thinking about who those people were for you in your life. You're thinking about your own personal, you know, hall of faith, if you will. The truth of the matter is we all have those certain people in our lives that looked at us and said, you are important enough to me. You are important enough to me for me to turn around and pour Jesus into your life. And you know, that's what church family is really all about, right? Church family is about being somewhere that you know that you belong. It's about being somewhere that you can be comfortable. It's about being somewhere that, that it is home. It is home. How many of you um, grew up in church somewhere different than Ninth Avenue? Okay, how many of you still have fond, fond memories of that place? You know, I, I grew up my, my formative years, if you will, in Savannah, at the Savannah Church of Christ. And in many ways, in many ways, I still consider that church my home church. 
because that's where I grew up. That's where I can walk back into that building and I can see faces and I can have conversations with people that that are, are just rooted in so much history and so much past. And I know that I can walk in that building and I can be loved instantly by so many peoples. It just feels like home. For some of you, and for now I hope for all of us, Ninth Avenue is your home. It is that place. It is going to be that place that you always close your eyes and you think, this church is my family. And that's such a great thing. But to keep that moving forward, to keep that type of energy and, 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 and relationships alive, we have to make sure that we are a church that is pouring in to each other. You were someone's one. Let's, let's keep going because we've got a lot of things to hit this morning and I want to do them as effectively as possible because we're going to eat afterwards, right? Your preacher always pre preaches quicker on the Sundays you eat than any other Sunday, right? At least I do. I don't know. Okay, you were Jesus's one. You were Jesus's one. Even before someone decided to make you their one, Jesus said, you are my one. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. This is where our parable comes into play. If you've got your Bibles, go back with me. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44. <coughs> it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man, a man found covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I have, I have always heard this sermon taught and preached and in the direction of this is about us finding Jesus. And I think that that's a very fair way to look at it. But I got to thinking, I was trying to think outside of the box this week and, and ran across some thoughts that I had never thought about with, with this particular passage. And this, this one guy talked about this passage from the aspect of Jesus is the guy looking for treasure. Jesus is the guy looking for treasure. And he's going around and he's searching and he's looking for those important things, those valuable things. And when he finds it, he does whatever it takes to make sure that it belongs to him. And I really, really like that idea. I really like that idea of thinking about Jesus is out there looking for us, looking for those, those priceless relationships, looking for an opportunity to take those things and make those things which are us to find us and make us his own. Think about the world that we live in. Our world is, is crazy, isn't it? The world's always been crazy. So that's what sin does. Sin turns, turns things upside down. It, it, makes, it makes good things bad. It makes good people do bad things. That's what Satan does. And Jesus is just honest. Jesus is just honest throughout his ministry that there are going to be fewer saved people than there are lost people. 
There are going to be fewer saved people than they are lost people. And Jesus has come into this world and he has sifted through all the negative, all the sin, all the bad. And he has said, I have found you and you are important to me. And when I find you, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even if it means me dying on the cross for you, to open up the door for you to become mine, for you to belong to me. I never thought about that train of thought from these parables. But, but it, it lines up with some other things that Jesus said. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save what? The lost. As he talks in, in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 is all about taking lost things and finding them and restoring them, even to the point that there's 99 sheep over here that are okay and fine and and he's not worried about them. Who's he worried about? The what? The one. The one that doesn't belong to him or the one that's lost. And see, we, so that shepherd goes out and does all that he can to bring that one back. And so I want you to know this morning that you were Jesus' one before you were anyone else's one. Now let's keep going. The next idea is Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. Now, for, for many of you, I believe that, that you, you believe that because you're here this morning. That is your motivation for being here this morning. But uh, it was interesting to me, just, just in study, I wanted to see how the word one was used throughout Scripture uh, in, in the New Testament in particular this morning. And, and, I, and I wrote it down. In the New Testament alone, if you type in one, in, in uh, like Bible Gateway or different online concordances that just looks everything up instantly, you'll find this word used over 1,100 times. And, and most of the time it's used, um, I, I almost call it a throwaway word. It, it, it's, it's not a word of significance necessarily in the passage. Um, but here are a few that the word one was used very significantly. And, and, and I want you to hear these this morning. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's only one way to the Father, John 14 and verse 6. There is no other way to heaven. There is coming a day when the judge of all the earth will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, Matthew 25, there is coming a day when we will all be standing before the judgment seat and the book of life will be opened. And in Revelation 20 and verse 15, it says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Can I say this morning that there will be a lot of people that stand before God one day who never trusted him really and truly as they're one. And you know, at times, at times, and, and I feel this way, if, if I'm just real and I'm just honest this morning, there are times that even in my own faith, I struggle with maybe the exclusiveness of Christianity. None of us want to see good people punished ever, do we? We, we don't want to see that. We, we don't want to see people who, who have lived a good life. We, we don't want to see them pun, be punished, and especially into eternal 
um, punishment, the punishment of hell, that there is a part of us that we don't want to see good people be left out in that way. But it's not always about what I want. It's not always about what we think is right. Holy justice comes from God and from God only. And and if God can make those decisions, that, that really makes me happy because I would not be good at making holy, just decisions because too many of my emotions will get in the way. But it is so important for us to realize this morning above anything and everything else, that regardless of how we might feel, Jesus is the only way to the Father. Amen? And we have to agree with that. We have to live that. We have to understand that, that there is no other way to to get to a salvation relationship other than going through Jesus. And with that thought in mind, that leads me to the next one. Jesus is the one, but the question is, is He your one? Is He your one There is a phrase that is used only a couple of times in Scripture that I think is a very important phrase, and it shows a lot about how we may believe and trust in God. And it's the phrase, the Holy One of God. Now let me ask you this morning, do you believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God? Do you believe that? Answer that for yourself. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything, but ask yourself that question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God? Now, I want to point you to a couple of different passages in which this is used, in which this is used. One is from John chapter 6, and, and there are a lot of people who have been following Jesus that are not that have decided not to follow Him anymore. If you pay attention to the ministry of Jesus, and sometimes church world is backwards from Jesus' world, sometimes we do try to make the gospel in Christ as accessible as possible. But but Jesus' ministry was really about trimming the fat. If you go and you look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus looks at a group of people and He goes, unless you hate your father and mother, you you, you can't love me. You can't have anything to do with this. His ministry was about trimming out the people who weren't totally committed to Him. And so there's some people that are kind of falling away and they're not following Jesus anymore. And he looks up and he asks his disciples, his apostles in particular, those that are closest to him, and he says, hey, basically, are, are you going to leave as well? Are you going to follow them? Are you going to have nothing to do with me? And so there in John 6, Peter says, Lord, it's always Peter, isn't it? You can always bet on Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What a great statement. What a great acknowledgement of, of, who, of who Jesus is from someone that loved him very much. But then there's another passage in Mark. Mark chapter 1, Jesus is, is fixing to perform a miracle, and he's fixing to draw, he's fixing to um, draw, drive out an unclean spirit from a man. And as it says in Mark chapter 4, I'm sorry, yeah, in Mark chapter 4, it says that immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And this man, because of the unclean spirit, cried out, What 
have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Same statement, right? Same statement. But it is being said in two totally different contexts for two totally different reasons. Do you believe that this demon-possessed man truly believed and understood that Jesus was the Holy One of God? Did he? He acknowledged it. Did he believe like Peter believed? You see, the reason I ask you this question is, is Jesus your one? It's because I believe it is possible for us to believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God and it not do a thing for us in our life. And I believe that because this, this demon lived that life. He believed that Jesus was the Holy One, that He was the Son of God. He knew that Jesus had the authority to drive Him out of this man. And he confessed that. But then Peter confesses the same thing. But it's more than a confession. It was a lifestyle. And so I ask you this morning, is Jesus your one? Is Jesus the one thing in your life that is more important than everything else? Is the fact that Jesus is the Holy One of God, is it the driving and motivating force that pushes you to do things in the kingdom of God? You see, true belief leads to action. Jesus says that at the end of His life as He's fixing to ascend into heaven. He says, if you believe in me and are baptized, you will be saved. And, he's, and he connects belief to a what? To an action. Belief does not just mean I sit in a church pew, okay, and go, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're paying attention to this week and last week, these two verses, these two points sound very similar. The idea of belief and faith because they are tied so closely together. This morning, is Jesus your one, you already know you're His. But does the fact that Jesus is in your life change who you are and make you a better person and push you to do greater things, such as this next idea, do you know how to win one? Do you know how to win one? Someone looked at you and said, you're my one. Jesus says, you're my one which I hope leads you to the idea and the fact in your life that Jesus is the one. And then so Jesus says that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a Christian and a child of God, then you've got a job. Your job is to then go and turn around, as, as he says in uh, the end of Matthew, is to go and make what? Disciples, baptizing them and teaching them all the things that I've commanded, okay? So he says, your job, now that you have Jesus as the one and someone's made you their one, okay, all these things we're talking about, now your job is to find someone and bring them to the one. How many of you get scared and nervous and uncomfortable with the word evangelism? Any of you get scared and nervous with that word? That it's one of those great concepts to hear sermons about, to get pumped up about, and to go, oh man, that made me feel so good this morning. And then you walk out the door and you're like, but I ain't living it. We're all kind of guilty of that when it comes to evangelism, aren't we? we I think that that's maybe the one thing that everybody has a, a little bit of a seat of fear in because just, just, just talking to someone about our faith for some reason makes us uncomfortable. We can talk about a whole lot of things, 
For some reason, Jesus makes us uncomfortable when we begin to talk about Him to other people. Well, I want to give you a couple of ideas this morning along these lines. If you feel uncomfortable, if you're nervous, if you're not sure what to do about it, learn about it, okay? That's what we're here for, is to try to help you grow in your faith. If you're afraid that, hey, if if I get in a conversation about the Bible, I'm probably not going to know all the answers. I'm not going to know enough. How many of you, that's one of your greatest fears. I'm going to get asked a question about the Word of God, and I'm not going to know the answer. Anybody feel that way? Well, guess what? You've got a cheat sheet. You know what it's called? The Bible. And every question that's asked, guess where the answer is? Right here. And if it's in here, that means you can find it and you can learn the answer. I encourage you to learn. I encourage you to study the Word of God with the intent of studying it to be able to teach it to other people, to an individual, or as our sermon talks about, to just one person. Maybe that's not where you are. Maybe you're not there to where you can study yet. But I love the story from John when Philip is trying to to bring people to Jesus, this Jesus that he's met. And and he says in John chapter 1, it says, Philip found Nathanael, okay? And I like that idea. Philip found Nathanael. What does that mean? That means Philip was going out looking for what? His one. He was going to look for someone to bring them to introduce them to Jesus. And he didn't have a lot of answers. He didn't know a whole lot. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, You can't go through the story of Jesus in the book of Acts and even really and truly all of the Gospels or all of the the epistles and find one person who was converted by just reading this book. Not one person. You know why? Because this book in this form did not exist yet. Do you know how people were converted and brought to Christ? By someone finding their one and bringing them to the one. And that's exactly what Philip does here. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said, Can anything good come out of of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. You know what his answer was? His answer was, I don't have all the answers, man. Just come and see. Just come and look. Just come and give it a shot. And maybe that's where you are in your faith. Maybe that's your starting point. That you share with someone the great news of Jesus. And they ask you a question. You go, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. But just come with me and see. Just come with me and see. I hope it doesn't embarrass him. But I think it's something we all need to realize this morning. Tyler, raise your hand up there. There's Tyler Terry sitting up here in the balcony this morning. I'm going to tell you what's kind of strange about Tyler sitting up in the balcony this morning is Tyler's by himself this morning. Tyler, you were baptized in January? January? Since January, and I understand that there's been like three months since January we hadn't been in this building, but since January, the youngest Christian in this building has brought more people into this building to see Jesus than the rest of us combined. Let that sink in for a second. And Tyler, we're proud of that. What does that say about the rest of us? You know what Tyler's doing? 
Tyler, and he's working for David, and I don't see David, but David will tell you this is what he's doing. There he is. He's going to work and finding people, isn't he? You don't walk by Tyler at work that he doesn't start talking to you about Jesus. Do you think Tyler knows all the answers? He's the youngest Christian in the room. He doesn't know all the answers. You know what he's doing? He's saying, come and see. Come and see. And I guarantee you, next week, there's a pretty good chance that there will be someone sitting right beside him coming to see. Do you know how to win someone? You start with come and see. So now I give you the challenge of the day. Who is your one? Who is your one? Philip went and grabbed Nathaniel. Tyler grabs everybody that walks by. Tyler doesn't have one. If you're in the city of Haleville and you walk by Tyler, you're the one at the moment. Who is your one? You see, challenging times like COVID-19, all the riots and different things that are going on. See, one of my greatest fears as a Christian is being concerned about things that truly don't matter. And the devil uses moments like this, and I'm not saying that we should take lightly the, the, the challenges of the virus, but he uses moments like this to draw our attention away from that which is eternally important. It's easy to get so wrapped up in what I need to do and have to do and how I feel and how all this stuff makes me feel in my role. And it's easy to forget about the one thing that is the most important, and that is bringing people to Christ. So this morning, I challenge you with this question. Who is your one that you say, I'm going to do everything that I can to bring them into a relationship with Christ? Who is your one? Now, just because you come up with that one doesn't mean they're going to make it. Doesn't mean they're going to become a child of God. One of the things, and I kind of skipped over it, and I don't remember where it is, but in my notes. So I'm just going to kind of throw it out there, and I hope I remember all of it. But in the day of Jesus, the reason pearls were so expensive is because they didn't farm and harvest pearls. They had to go dive for pearls. And the, the ratio, you had to get several pounds of um, clams. That's what they're in, right? to find one pearl. And how is a pearl even formed? It's when a piece of sand gets in there and irritates the clam. You know what our job is as Christians? It's to irritate people with Jesus. Not in a bad way, okay? I'm not talking about a bad way. I'm talking about like a sand and a clam that we just keep pushing a little bit. We keep sharing a little bit. We keep encouraging a little bit to that one until hopefully they open their heart to the Spirit of God and the Spirit turns them into a beautiful, newborn Christian. Who is your one? Say it with me this morning one more time. Everyone knows someone who needs the one, and you are that one who can win your one to the one. I hope that that statement makes a little more sense and is a little more personal to you now than it was a few minutes ago, because we have an important mission. Despite everything that's going on, despite caution tape, mask, social distancing, all of that stuff that, that seems so important right now, none of it is any more important than the statement that you just read. You still have a job. We still have a mission as a church. Our mission is not just come to church on Sunday mornings anymore or right now. 
Our mission is still to grow the kingdom of God. And most of the time, most of the time, in times of tragedy, in times of challenge, the Lord's church can grow the most because that's when people are truly looking. So let's take advantage of this moment and live this statement to the best of our ability. Let's go to God in prayer as we close. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this, this short but powerful, powerful uh, teaching of yours this morning. And God, I pray, I pray so hard for our church family this morning that, that I know that we're in a challenging time. I know that it is so easy for us to get focused in on things that are most pressing and forget the things that are the most important. And God, I, I ask you to help us just refocus. Refocus and remember that you are the only one that truly matters, that your mission that your desires for us are, should be the things that drive us every day in our life. I pray, God, that, that we're able to, to wrap our mind around the idea of I can help someone become a child of God. I can tell them simply to come and see and help each and every one of us to have that mentality this morning to be willing to just share that thought. God, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for their willingness to be here this morning for their love for you. May we keep that love flowing and showing every step of our life. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning, if there's anything you need, if you realize this morning Jesus is your one, but you've not made that ultimate commitment of, of like he said, if you believe in me, be baptized and you'll be saved. Those are the words of Jesus. Those aren't my words. Those aren't the church of Christ way. That's Jesus way. Simply believe in me and be baptized and you'll be saved and you'll be part of the family. If there's anything you need this morning, come as we stand and as we sing this song of invitation. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.